Let's explore the difference between Torah and the words of Nevi'im, of prophets, because each one has a role to play. And specifically, the Nevo'ah of Moshe Rabbeinu helps to consolidate the Torah. We see it in this week's parish, and we're going to examine it in what the Rambam writes about Nevo'ah in so in our parish, in our parish, we have the pasuk that says the instruction that you have to listen to the navi. From there, we learn that you have to follow the prophet that may be in any time in history. The Rambam, the Rambam comments on that in Hilchis Yisoyde Hatoira that call navi that any navi that will ever emerge after Moshe Rabbeinu. We don't believe in the validity of that Navi because they do a, they give a sign or they do a miracle. We believe the Navi because we're instructed in the Torah. That Moshe instructed us in the Torah and said, that if the Navi will prove himself with the various signs, then you have to listen to him. So it's not the sign that makes him valid. It's the instruction in the Torah that says such a person should be followed and considered as a Navi. Now, now the fact that the Rambam says you don't believe in Navi just simply because of the sign that he's done, that's Musbur Behegim Bepash. It's actually quite logical. Because it's possible for people to produce signs using dark energy or inappropriate uh, sources. Which implies as Iliyatsur, um involkiven zicher, as this is nit velot vakishov. Let's say that a Navi was able to do something, and we're absolutely 100% clear that what they have done is not from any corrupted source. Over Mele, as there's a Navi MS, which obviously would then prove to us that this is a genuine Navi who we should believe. So logic would say we would then have to follow that Navi even if the Torah had not specifically mandated listen to him. Because he's a Navi, he's proven himself. Obviously what he's saying is Hashem's word. So what's the added value over here by knowing that there's a tziboy, that there's an instruction in the Torah that says not only is it logical to follow a Navi if he can prove himself, but you really have to follow the Navi because the Torah mandates. So we'll understand that based on a principle which we've learned elsewhere. When you consider what we know, we know that there are certain mitzvahs that were instructed even before the Torah was given, like a bris milah, even Shabbos that was given at Mora and others. The fact that we fulfill those mitzvahs now is, again, quoting the Rambam, We don't have a bris today because Avram did. We don't avoid Gidhan Noshe because Yaakov was injured. We do those things because Moshe instructed us in the Torah that that's what we have to do. And therefore, it's a It's not on the basis of the fact that Hashem communicated that information to earlier Nevi'im. So using that same logic is fashtandig, we can understand as al derech zeh is oich benegadi tzivuim shalakadish baruchu durch nevim noch matan Torah. Just as we can distinguish between words conveyed by or to a prophet before matan Torah compared to things that were instructed in the Torah, we're going to make a similar distinction between words that are communicated through a navi after matan Torah versus things that are said in the Torah. In this case, the mitzvah to listen to the navi.
As mitzad atzmam, if you only look at the words or the communications to a navi in and of themselves, so haven they neat in zichtem toike for mitzvah shetziva besinai. The words of a Navi, even if that Navi lives after Matan Torah, do not have the same power and impact as words that were instructed at Har Sinai. So therefore, if we were just relying on the fact that a Navi is a Navi because he can prove himself, it wouldn't be as powerful as the fact that we have to listen to the Navi because Moshe instructs us in the Torah. He has another way we can understand it from all the great drama that surrounded the giving of the Torah. The sounds and the lightning, etc. And in spite of all that amazing light and sound show, that's not why we accept and believe the Torah. Because if we did believe in the validity of the Torah because of the massive experience at Har Sinai, then we'd actually be saying we believe what Moshe said because of the accompanying signs on heart need them take from Torah, which would imply that it's not the strength of the Torah, it's the strength of the signs. But again, quoting the Rambam, the single greatest evidence that we have to the validity of Torah is the human witnessing that happened of the Jewish people at Har Sinai. As the Pasuk says clearly, how will people come to trust in you, Moshe, forever? This is Hashem speaking to Moshe. Because people will see me appear and engage with them personally. In other words, there's no surrounding sounds or signs, lightning, thunder, etc., that give validity to Moshe's position or to the validity of the Torah. It's because we know that Hashem engaged us directly. So we're making a distinction over here between words that come through a Navi, which may or may not have the strength of the accompanying signs and wonders, Versus something that is mandated by the Torah, which is the clearest, most obvious, and most powerful basis for anything that we should believe. On the river is the Rambam Medayik. That's why the Rambam is so specific in Hilchus Yisodah Torah. And he says, Why do we listen to a Navi? Because there's a mitzvah given by Moshe in the Torah that we have to listen to that Navi. And therefore, once we now define that this is a mitzvah contained within Torah, that adds a whole different power and validity to the Navi's perspective, or his offering, or his, his words, more than if it was just simply prophetic words. And just to illustrate the point, we know that in Halacha there are very serious distinctions between something that is written and spoken about in the Torah directly versus something that is only mentioned by the Nevin. So by the Rambam telling us that Elof Tishmon gives the power, the force of a mitzvah to the words of a Navi, that helps us to understand a much deeper appreciation for why the Navi's words are so powerful. Now that's all fine and good, but once we start to analyze what the Rambam is actually saying, we're going to notice that there are one or two elements that don't seem necessarily to be so clear. Because our Pizeober, based on what we've just said, why do we follow a Navi? Because the Torah says we must. And not because of the proofs that the Navi may produce through various signs and wonders. In other words, we believe what the Navi says, not because he gives the instruction that we should follow his nevoah, but because the Torah gives the instruction 
that we should follow his nevuah. So with that information, he's moving to Hemshech from Perches from Hilchis Yisrael to Hatero in Rambam, the continuation of the section that we're learning in the eighth chapter of the Rambam about the Navi, this is where things don't necessarily appear to be so clear. Because for as Meirich has dos was even home there the Rambam says, okay, besides the fact that we have to believe every Navi, why is it, says the Rambam, that we take Moshe's Nevoa so seriously and we believe it absolutely? The Rambam says, and this sounds so far so good, exactly what we've said, not because of any signs or wonders, not because he turned sticks into snakes or he made the ten makos or he split the sea. Because the axiom is that if a person only believes in a Navi because of the signs that he has performed, the person actually has a lack of faith. Says the Rambam, no. On what basis do we believe in Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah? Because we stood ourselves, our people, each of us, at Har Sinai, and at that environment, in that environment, our eyes saw what happened, not some stranger, it's not second-hand information. And we heard it with our own ears and not through somebody else. Okay, so far so good. And then the Rambam concludes the Perak by saying, Based on what we now know, we believe in Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah because we saw it and experienced it ourselves. And the fact that we trust the Nabi not because of his miracles, but because of the instruction in the Torah, lefichach therefore, im Navi. Let's say that there was a Navi who emerged, and he made amazing miracles happen, and then, and then he wanted to say something that would contradict Moshe's nevuah, and naturally we would not listen to him. Why? Because this person's credentials would be miracles. And Moshe's credentials are not based on miracles and signs. That we should now start weighing up who did the greater miracle and therefore should be believed more or less. But to echo what the Rambam already said before, we saw and heard the experience of Moshe Rabbeinu's Nebuah ourselves. Therefore, we know it is absolutely True and unbelievable. Now, let's analyze this. On what basis, as we've already learned, do we follow an, a genuine Navi or not an under Navi as compared to somebody who is a false Navi? We already said, why do we follow the genuine Navi? Because the Torah says, we have to listen to him. As opposed to the other person where the Torah says, don't listen to him. And not because we have some kind of clarity that he is saying Hashem's word. The Torah tells us to follow him. So therefore, you would expect that this concept, the concept of how you determine whether or not you follow a Navi, should be clear in the Rambam's Sefer Hayad Chazoka. In other words, it's strange to us that the Rambam would f- enter or venture into a subject without telling us the clear halacha and more, so to speak, getting into the philosophy of it. In Sefer Hayad, the Sefer Hayad is supposed to be clear halacha. Is the odd von halacha? So if you're talking about halacha, you would expect that the proofs you'll bring for a particular halacha will be legal proofs. 
But this whole philosophical explanation, why we wouldn't listen to the other Navi, because of the fact that his, his uh, miracles actually don't count, because at the end of the day we have the basis of having seen Moshe's um, testimony ourselves. The logic that says, how can you believe that that guy should have any validity when you saw Moshe's Nevoah yourself and he's trying to contradict Moshe's Nevoah? That doesn't belong in the Yad Rambam. That's the kind of thing you'd expect the Rambam to speak about in Moriah HaNavuchim, which is much more philosophical in its approach. So why? Why does the Rambam get into this conversation? The Rambam should say clearly, why don't we listen to a false Navi? Because the Torah says, Elav Tishmon. This is who you listen to. He doesn't have to give us the whole philosophical background that you saw Moshe's presentation and this fellow is trying to contradict that and who is he anyway? So instead, really what you would have expected the Rambam to do in the Yad HaChazok Mishnah Torah was just to cut to the chase, tell us the halacha, why do we follow prophets? Is not because of the miracles. This is what the Rambam should have said. We follow a Navi because we have a mitzvah in the Torah. Elav Tishmon, follow a Navi. Even though we don't necessarily know how to prove if the signs that this particular Navi has performed are from healthy or unhealthy sources. And and he could have said the part that if a so-called prophet should arrive and do amazing miracles and then would attempt to contradict anything that Moshe had presented us through his nevuas, which effectively means that he's rejecting the validity of Torah. Then the Rambam should say simply, Just don't listen to him. He's contradicting the Torah. That's all we need to know. We don't need to know the whole philosophy of, well, it doesn't make sense that you should listen to that guy when you actually saw Moshe Rabbeinu's presentation with your own eyes. Just say simply, he's against the Torah. The Torah says you have to listen to a Navi. There's obviously no way that a Navi would be mandated by the Torah to go against the Torah. Don't listen to him. So why is the Rambam entering the world of philosophy? That's our first question in Sefer Yad HaChazokah. The second question that we're going to analyze is that it seems that there's detail over here that doesn't really make sense. Nochme. Now, Perak Shalach So this was in the eighth chapter of Yosef HaTorah. Now we're going to look at the next Perak. You see that the Rambam, in addition to speaking about the principles of prophecy, now makes a link between our faith and belief in the Torah as a whole and the concept of Moshe's Nevoah. And we have to ask, why specifically that link? Where do we see this? Because if you have a person who says, he comes along, he claims, I'm a prophet, I was sent by God, and my mandate is the hoisif mitzvah, or the groya mitzvah, either to add a new mitzvah to the Torah or to remove a mitzvah that was part of the Torah, or to add an interpretation of a mitzvah that we've never heard before, it's not part of our tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. Oy, or alternatively, uh, or the person comes along and says, look, uh, those mitzvahs, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're mitzvahs that were temporary. They don't actually apply in, in today's world. So any of those presentations where a person essentially wants to modify the Torah, so obviously we don't listen to them, but listen how the Rambam says it. Zok Rambam. As there's a Navi Sheker, such a person has to be a false Navi. 
Because this person is contradicting Moshe's Nevoa. Strange, right? Und And by the way, the Rambam repeats the same concept at the end of that chapter. But again, it's when a person should arrive claiming to be a Navi. And he says, He says, I'm a Navi and you've got to serve idolatry, even just now, temporarily, just for, for this particular moment. There again, the Rambam says, This person is discredited because they contradict Moshe's Nevoa. Isn't it moving? Doesn't make sense. What is this person saying? Reject a mitzvah, add a mitzvah, mitzvahs only temporary, serve idolatry. Any one of those things, that person is contradicting He's not just contradicting Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah. He's contradicting a direct instruction in the Torah. The Torah says clearly, you may not add to the Torah or detract from it. And those things that have been revealed to us and taught us in the Torah are permanent. So why say that this Navi is contradicting Moshe's Nevoah? He's contradicting the fundamentals of Judaism, Torah itself. So hot doch der Rambam gedav zogen. Surely the way the Rambam should have worded it is, that this guy is rejected because he's trying to contradict Torah. Surely a person who wants to contradict the Torah firstly belongs to their own category and a very severe category of heretic worse, surely, than somebody who's trying to contradict Moshe's Nevoah, Kanal Sifalef, because we already said before, because we already said that anything that was instructed specifically through a Navi, which is including Moshe's prophecies, is not as forceful as a mitzvah that was instructed at Har Sinai. This guy wants to contradict mitzvahs that were given at Har Sinai. Why are we only accusing him of contradicting Moshe's nevuah? We should have a far stronger opposition to him because he's going against the Torah itself. So we'll try a particular argument. It's not going to work. Just to try and explain how, this, how, how to settle this. So the Chayra of Altman Gekem Mazbezayim, perhaps we could explain that as the Farzokta, the Rambam Lachish Nevu Osesh Al Moshe, Unit Lachish Atorah, that actually the reason the Rambam wanted specifically to word this as a man who is contradicting Moshe's Nevu rather than a man who is contradicting the Torah. Maybe the Rambam just wanted to say, this is how we know that you can immediately flag this person as a false Novi. And there's a practical application because somebody who is considered a false Novi has certain uh, consequences that he has to face. As the Rambam already told us, and we learned this already, because Moshe's Nevoah is not based on miracle work, but first-hand evidence of our own personal experience. So maybe the Rambam wants to highlight this guy is clearly nonsensical because he's going against what you saw and you witnessed. In other words, so says, when the Rambam had the Rambam only addressed how serious it is to be a false, uh, a false Navi, because this is the person who says, the person claims to have been sent by Hashem to add to the Torah or detract from the Torah. 
Yeah. That's what the Rambam wanted to convey, that the big issue over here is that this person is contradicting the Torah. He would have said so. But the Rambam doesn't just want to tell us what he's doing wrong. The Rambam apparently wants to also tell us why it's so bad what he's doing. Shehare, that's a word that implies that there's a reason why this is so bad. Why he's considered a false prophet and therefore the din of how he should be treated in Jewish law. That's perhaps why the Rambam added the phrase that it contradicts Moshe's nevoah, just so that we would know that being a Novi Sheker is not just simply about rejecting Torah, but it's about rejecting something that was so clear and obvious to us, and so therefore he's actually quite idiotic. But the Rebbe is completely dissatisfied with the answer. For in but we already know this information. The Rambam told us in the previous chapter. We already know that any Novi that's going to arrive and suggest anything which is contrary to what Moshe said is ridiculous because that means that the person is suggesting something that goes against what we have seen with our own eyes. He's already explained it. So then we already know this information. We already know that that's what's so bad about being a Novi Sheker. So we already know what's bad about being a, a false Novi. Here, at this point, when the person is suggesting things that are against the Torah, this would be the appropriate time for the Rambam to say, and in addition to the fact that this individual is a bad person and a Novi Sheker, because he contradicts the obvious, he should also now say, and he contradicts the Torah, which probably brings its own consequences. The question is actually even stronger than we initially thought. It is not aggressor. In the same perek we discover as the Rambam Rambam in a different conversation uses the expression to contradict Torah because you might have thought maybe it's an expression that's not suitable. It doesn't belong in this conversation. Well, look, the Rambam uses it. Look what the Rambam says. If this so-called, this, this guy who claims to be a Navi, would uproot something that we have a tradition about, or he comes forward with any halacha and says, this is how the halacha should be, we discount him and we call him a false a false prophet, because he's contradicting the Torah. How is he contradicting the Torah? Because the Torah says clearly that the decision about how halacha should happen is not decided in heaven. That means even if the snobby arrives and he paskins something which sounds to us like it could even be the correct halacha, the fact that he claims that the halacha was given to him by Hashem on high is already false. That's the That goes against the Torah, which says that Halacha can only be decided here on earth, not through a prophetic experience. So now we really don't understand why the Rambam, in the one case, says that he contradicts Moshe's nevoah and therefore is a false, uh, a false prophet. And yet in the other case, he's quite happy to say he contradicts the Torah and therefore he's a false prophet. So if the guy wants to add or detract a mitzvah, say the mitzvahs are temporary, or he wants to lead people to serve idolatry, that the Rambam calls contradicting Moshe's nevoah. 
And if a person wants to change halacha or even ratify halacha based on the fact that he's received a message on high, that we call contradicting Torah. Why the distinction? Let's take it a step further. Let's say a person would arrive and claim Right, one of the scenarios that the Rambam described. person arrives, claims to be a Navi, and then gives an interpretation of a part of Torah that we have never heard in our tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. Which the Rambam defined as somebody who's trying to contradict Moshe's Nevo, which actually makes sense to us. But surely he's also then doing exactly what we've just learned, contradicting the Torah that tells us Torah is no longer in heaven. So insights into Torah are not presented through prophecy. It's that basis of Torah, that Torah is no longer in heaven, that precludes the possibility of a Navi introducing anything into Judaism that wasn't there before. And that's themselves posuk velchasiz machesh devosok shashem sivaloshadim kach. It's exactly the same posuk that we would use to prove that if a guy arrives and say, says, I'm a prophet and I've just received this halachic information from Hashem, we would reject him because Torah is not in heaven. And the Rambam calls that person contradicting Torah. So that's really strange. We baldas beidazanim machesh demzelben posuk. The guy who wants to give an interpretation of Torah we've never heard before contradicts the same posuk, loy bashamayim he, as the person that comes along and says, I have a halacha to teach you. Why would the Rambam then split them into two different categories and say, The person who comes along to claim a new insight into Torah, that is, He's contradicting Moshe's prophecies. And whereas the person who says, I have a halacha to teach, he's contradicting the Torah. Surely they're actually both doing the same thing, claiming that you get Torah information from on high through a prophetic process, which is against Torah. So let's start off first by looking at the scenario of the guy who comes along and says, I'm a Novi and everybody's got to serve Avodah Zorah on Wednesday afternoon between 2 and 3 p.m. So we say Novi Sheker. Says the Rambam, Zokter Rambam. Let's start with that. Why would the Rambam call that person who's trying to tempt people to idolatry Dafka, a person who contradicts Moshe's Nevoah? So maybe the answer is Maybe it hinges on something that the Sifri says. Very interesting. The Sifri says that there's a Pasuk that you have to communicate to them. Who's, who's you and who's them? Moshe communicating to the people. Says the Sifri that they may not use an, Moshe may not use an interpreter. He's got to speak directly to the people. Which implies, so the Sifri indicates, implies, doesn't say it outright, but implies that at which point would a Novi Sheker have to, uh, sorry, at which point would a person who dis, uh, disregards what a Novi says, only in a situation where he heard the information directly from the Novi and now rejects it or disregards it. And that would not apply if he heard the information via an interpreter. That's the Sifri. 
Now, the Rogachov is going to add another layer to that, applies actually to Moshe himself, and this is fascinating. The Rogachov is Moshe in them. As I feel of an ahetas me piha novi atzmoi, even if the audience hears the information from the novi, not via somebody else, directly from the novi, is the chivdafka of an ahetas from the novi be'eshem isnabe. Says the Rogachava, a person would only be uh, liable for a capital offense if they reject a nevuah that they heard from a novi while the novi was prophesying. Whereas if we heard information from the Navi, let's say the Navi had his Nevoah yesterday, and he shares it with us today, then anybody today who would disregard that Nevoah is not technically Chayev Misibidei Shomayim, because he didn't hear it with Dibber Alehem, directly from the Navi. So to hear the information at a later date from the original Navi, is the equivalent, says the, the Rogachava, to hearing it via somebody else. So, maybe that's the answer. So, let's say now, as let's assume there was somebody who lived in Moshe's generation, who then disregarded or transgressed an instruction that Moshe gave. So surely now is doing the machilek tzir is over if mitzvahs avoid the zorah, other if under mitzvahs. What happens next might be different depending if the subject matter we're dealing with is avoid the zorah or a different mitzvah. By mitzvahs avoid the zorah, let's say chas v'shalom a Jew living in the time of Moshe served avoid the zorah. Well, then we'll say you heard that directly from the navi when he prophesied. Seeing as the entire Jewish people heard the instructions against Avodah Zarah directly from Moshe when he was on Har Sinai, having the experience of Nevoah, and, and maybe we could argue the same for the other Aserah Sadibros, but certainly those two. Then if a person serves Avodah Zarah, A, they have transgressed Avodah Zarah, and they have transgressed the disregarding of a Navi's instruction. Mashenkin by under a mitzvah, whereas if it was a different mitzvah that they heard subsequently from Moshe Rabbeinu, not on Har Sinai itself, we would now be hearing, or that person living in that generation would be hearing the information from Moshe Rabbeinu post the revelation of the Nevoah. That person may have transgressed mitzvah X or mitzvah Y, but they would not have transgressed the additional issue of disregarding what a Navi has to say. So maybe maybe that's why the Rambam makes the distinction between people who contradict Moshe and people who contradict Torah. So when he spoke about the Navi in illustrating that somebody indicating or calling on people to go serve Avodah Zorah, what does the Rambam say? That's Machish Moshe. That's a person who's contradicting Moshe's Nevoah because we heard it firsthand. As the far as Maybe that's what the Rambam wanted us to know. That specifically in the scenario of a Navi who calls for Avodah Zara, there's another layer of transgression. Over and above the fact that this is a transgression of an instruction in the Torah, do not serve idols. 
There's the added layer of the person going against an instruction they heard from a Nabi while the Nabi was prophesying. Which would then add another layer that any person living in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu who would serve Avodah Zorah would deserve the heavenly decree of death because they transgressed something that the Navi said and they heard the Navi say while he was having the Nevoah. And that's a, a, a halacha that would be absolutely unique to Avodah Zorah because those are the mitzvahs that we heard from Moshe B'Sha'as HaNevoah. Therefore, the Rambam would only apply it to the person who says, That I'm a prophet, I'm telling you to serve idolatry. Whereas, if the person claimed to be a Navi and wanted to uproot any other area of Torah, would say, that's not a specific affront to Moshe's Nevoah, but it is a contradiction of the Torah. Maybe that's why the Rambam said it that way. The problem is it still leaves us with a problem. How come earlier on, at the beginning of the chapter, which was not talking about a scenario of Avodah Zorah. And yet, the guy wants to add a mitzvah, take away mitzvah. He calls that contradicting Moshe's nevuah. Why? If it's only in Avodah Zorah that we have this unique category of having heard the nevuah while it was happening and therefore there's an additional transgression, why would the Rambam apply it to another scenario that is not about uh, Avodah Zorah? So besides that, is oich de klolus habir, besides the, the sticking point that you still haven't answered for the one lahachish nevoah, Moshe, besides that the overall explanation doesn't make sense. To try to suggest that all the Rambam wanted to allude to by using these words, was to talk about something that would be unique to those people living at the time of Moshe. That's a doicha godel. That's a real stretch. First of all, if that's a halacha that would only apply to people who lived in Moshe's generation, why is it relevant to us? <laughs> that's the past. The past is not relevant in our lives now, and the Rambam surely is paskening for the present as well. Secondly, the idea that a person who serves Avodah Zorah would now deserve because of the fact that they went against the Nevoah they heard at the time of the Nevoah is it's actually got nothing to do with who told them to do it. What's the problem? They were not supposed to do Avodah Zorah because they heard from the Navi at the time the Navi was sharing it. Who cares now if it's some other Novi who comes along to tell them now that they should serve Avoid Zorah? That's a moot point. No Inyan from Avoid It's the fact that it's Avoid which is the mitzvah they heard directly from Moshe. That's what counts. Then that should somebody who was present at the time and heard from Moshe Rabbeinu now serve Avoid regardless of whether the person claims that they have a prophetic uh, in, um, mandate or imperative to serve Avodah Zorah, he would require to die in Hashem's hands. So if that's the case, if the Rambam really wanted to draw our attention to this unique scenario that only applies to Avodah Zorah and only for the people of the Dur Hamidbar, 
Really, the place that Rambam should have discussed it would have been in the Halacha Safavoy Dezara because that's where it is relevant. It actually has nothing to do with the quality of this particular Navi, if he's a true or false Navi. It's not part of this conversation. The Rambam should not have mentioned it here. So we're back to square one. We need to understand what is it that the Rambam wants us to know about the nature of a Navi Sheker. Why is there a distinction between sometimes the Navi going against the Nevoah of Moshe Rabbeinu and sometimes against the Torah itself? And in order to understand that, we have to go back to something we alluded to right at the beginning of the discussion, and that is the fundamental difference between words of Torah in their original form versus words of Nevoah, which are also Torah but somewhat different. To understand all of that, we'll do a pricey of a concept that we are familiar with. Something we mentioned at the beginning of the Sikha. The distinction that we find, firstly, halachically and in other areas of Torah too. And the Maila from Mitzvah Satir by Sinai of Titzivuim Shal Yedei Hanavim, the huge advantage and greatness of, of Mitzvahs that were given at Har Sinai over instructions that were given only through the Nevim. Where do we learn this from? We all know this. Commenting on the first word of the Aseris Hadibros, which encapsulates the whole of Torah, the Gemara Shabbos famously tells us, Anoichi is an acronym for I have written and presented my soul in the Torah. In other words, it's almost as if to say that the Ebeshter put himself into writing and made himself absolutely available to us through Torah. To put it in different words of a Medrash, that's how the Medrash says it. Through Torah, you actually, so to speak, take Hashem for yourself. What the fire is moving, that implies. This is incredibly important. Mitzvahs are not a means to an end. You don't do mitzvahs now as an investment in order to get something in the next world. And we don't do mitzvahs in order to be that special treasured nation of Hashem while we're in this world. In other words, mitzvahs are never a means to an end. Anoichi, the mitzvah is the goal. The mitzvah is the absolute. As the mission in Perkyava says, Schar mitzvah, mitzvah, the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah. You don't need anything beyond that because the essence of Hashem is encapsulated within the mitzvah. Just as it would be completely unthinkable to suggest that Hashem is a means to anything else or services something else. So if Hashem puts himself into the mitzvahs in exactly the same way as you can't say that Hashem is a means to an end or an accessory to something else, you cannot say that any mitzvah is a means to an end or an accessory to something else. It has absolute value in and of itself. That's why mitzvahs are eternal. And that's why they can't change or be added to or detracted from. What is a mitzvah? What is the real essence and content of a mitzvah? The Ebeshter himself. So they can't change, grow, diminish, switch out. Because the Ebeshter is not going to ever change. So if he placed himself in the mitzvahs, 
they cannot change. to say it in different words. And if Hashem's intention had been, as some people believe, that mitzvahs are just tokens that you use in order to redeem points in the next world, or to get you status in this world as the treasured chosen people, then you could definitely say that there'd be changes. Sometimes there'd be an increase, an elevation, detraction. So, if the person doing the mitzvah has ups and downs, the mitzvah they do will also have ups and downs. More reward, less reward. More status, less status. Depending on what I'm doing. But because Hashem's will that drives Torah and mitzvahs is absolute, it is the essence of Hashem, it is beyond the finite capacity for change. That's what the Ebishter wants because the Ebishter wants it. Nothing influences that choice. So nothing can influence a change in that choice. Just as that tells us the essence of what Torah and Mitzvah is all about, it helps us to understand the tremendous advantage over Torah instructions that were given at Har Sinai over the words of a Navi. What, do, what, what kind of instructions do Nevi'im give us? They tell us, Go to a certain place. Don't go to a certain place, as the Rambam spells out. In other words, That means the Nevi'im are giving us instructions to service a particular outcome that needs to happen. Go to that place because you have to do X. Do these, these steps in order that you should win the war. On the far side, which means that they are fundamentally temporary instructions. And not only that, but even if the Nevi'im should introduce all kinds of instructions to keep everybody on the straight and narrow, to preclude us from transgressing, like for example, the Pasuk says, remember the Torah of my servant Moshe. It's like a call to, to keep the integrity of our Judaism. Again, the goal is not the zikru, it's the Torah Moshe. It's not the remembering, it's the, the Torah that has to be preserved. So every time a Navi presents something that is an instruction of a Navi, it is always for a specific purpose. Mashen came different Torah, which is totally different to Torah, is The mitzvah is the goal. The mitzvah is the essence of what Hashem wants. It is never a means to an end. That's the most reasonable uh, explanation for why a Navi may not add anything to the Torah. Because the word of Hashem conveyed in Torah is far superior to the word of Hashem as will come through the, 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 the instructions of a Navi. So what do we see Torah and Avua are very different manifestations of divine energy. Torah is absolute Ratzon that doesn't service another ulterior, ulterior motive. And Anavi's instructions are very much about achieving goals beyond their instructions. Now here's the thing. We have now illustrated that the power and intensity of Torah is far superior to that of Anavi. On the one hand, and therefore, that's why Torah is absolutely, absolutely immutable and eternal. 
is Abba Mitzatem Gufa Do Amayda Benegar Nevroim in Nevoa It's for exactly that reason that we as people get a certain value out of the words of prophets that we don't necessarily get out of the words of Torah. Because Vibal Torah is the Ratzin Atzmishel HaKadosh Baruch considering that Torah is the Abishta's essential will. Is the Hecha Ben Aruch Mangeder HaNevroim. That places it as something which is infinitely beyond our comprehension, our grasp, our personal connection. And therefore, it's not possible for us to ever grasp the essence of Torah. Just, it's totally beyond us. Whereas prophecy, the whole purpose of prophecy is for Hashem to share His insight, energy, wisdom, with people, as the expression goes, Gila Soidoi, Hashem revealed his secrets via the Nevim in Zeir Geder to us in our reality. Obviously, the Navi has to qualify first to be in a position to be able to convey that information. It's got a huge benefit to us because the Navi speaks a language we can relate to. And the Navi takes this immense divine energy and packages it in a, in a way that we can appreciate so that it makes our emuna stronger. With that information, now that we understand that Torah is the most pristine form of divine will and wisdom and Nevoah is the most packaged form of divine will and wisdom, we can understand what the Rambam is trying to tell us. Now we can understand the detail the Rambam enters into when he explains in them where he goes into so much detail explaining how it is that we have so much faith in the Nevoah and by extension the Torah of Moshe. The Rambam is not just telling us a story because we want to know why does this belong over here? It belongs in Merin Because it's not a story. It's actually the def- definition of the legal reality of Moshe's teachings. And it's, a, and it's in two acts. It's got two parts to it. Number one, Aleph. The first thing we have to know is that the faith we as Jews have in the validity of Moshe's message has to be crystal clear. Has to be absolute without any queries, without any doubts. Based, secondly, to get to that point that we have that kind of emunah, that kind of absolute crystal clear emunah cannot be built on, on wonders and signs. It has to be personal experience. We saw it, we heard it. Which is the only way that a person can re- arrive at a point where you have rock solid emuna without any tremors. Following that same line of thought, that explains why we dare not listen to a person who claims to be a Navi yet contradicts what Moshe has to say. Even if a guy is doing the most amazing miracles. The Rambam has to tell us the foundation of why Moshe's Nevoah is valid has nothing to do with miracles. 
which would then lead us to start comparing that kind of miracle to that kind of miracle. We saw it and heard it. And the Rambam has to tell us, this is a ridiculous proposal. Here's somebody who's trying to contradict what you saw and experienced yourself. The Rambam is not bringing that just to give us a logical, philosophical explanation. Why not to listen to that Novi? He's giving us a definition, a legal definition. It's a legal definition that has two components to it of what makes Moshe's Nevoah so compelling. Aleph, the first element is the absolute clarity of this uh, emuna in Moshe's message has to be so clear that it doesn't matter what miracles you see, they won't shift you one iota from your faith in Moshe. That's the first thing. It's going to be so clear. That's the halacha. The halacha requires that we believe Moshe's nevuah so strongly that you could do the most amazing miracles and it will mean nothing to us. Secondly, how do you reach a point where this fancy pants uh, Navi comes along and starts doing all these amazing miracles and it doesn't shift us? That's, uh, is, that's where, by a person effectively explaining to themselves, why on earth would I listen to somebody who does fancy tricks when I've seen and experienced something myself? Because logic says that the greatest miracles in the world cannot shift you from a position of something that you witnessed and experienced. The absolute commitment not to listen to that Novi the reason I'm rock solid and not budging in spite of what he's putting on a show about is because of how can a person come along and contradict what I saw. And that actually could even have an halachic application. This is something we've all seen in halacha. How when a person sees something with their own eyes, it is so compelling that they actually can't shift their position afterwards. Is the halacha ein eid nasa dayon that a person who witnessed an event cannot be a judge in that case? Because he saw the event with his own eyes, so he can't be a real judge because a judge always has to have the capacity to possibly come up with a defense for the defendant. Now he was a witness. How could he possibly shift his position and defend the person he saw do a particular thing? Whereas the same judge might hear testimony literally from hundreds of expert witnesses and still has the capacity to remain objective. So that's just an illustration of the fact that when you've seen something yourself, it becomes so real to you that you can't shift your position. That's what the Rambam is telling us is the halacha of what our level of faith in Moshe's Nevoah has to be. Nothing in the world is going to, un, uh, uh, to, to, to upset our commitment. Now let's take this a step deeper. Why do we need the Nevoah of Moshe to give validity to Torah. Why did the Ebishta ensure that the Nevoah of Moshe should be so solid? That we would all witness it. 
Dafka by Maimed Har Sinai, and where would we witness Moshe's Nebuah specifically when we were at Mount Sinai getting the Torah? Which we saw the Rambam makes a big deal about. Is what the Tachlis for Nebuah's Moshe is because here it gives us an insight into what the value and purpose of Moshe's Nebuah is. To Poel Zain as, as uh, by Eden, the goal of Moshe's Nevoah is not only should Hashem be absolutely clear and real to us, but that the validity of Torah, which is, by definition, totally beyond us, should be absolutely real to us as well. The fact that we saw and we heard Moshe's Nevoah. That gives us absolute unshakable faith. Also in the truth of Torah. In other words, if we had just been exposed to Torah, maybe it would remain a little bit abstract to us. We wouldn't necessarily have that clarity. But when you have a Nabi standing there, engaging and interacting with you directly at the Maimed Har Sinai, and it's, it's absolutely clear and non-negotiable that this is what is happening it helps you to consolidate the validity of the Torah as well. And then why specifically would Torah be consolidated through the Nevoah of Moshe Dafka? Well, it's quite logical that that would be because Moshe Rabbeinu has the ultimate type of, of Nevoah that exists. On in the ultimate Nevoah means he has both of the extreme elements that make up Nevoah. On the one hand, what was revealed to Moshe through his Nevoahs was the ultimate kind of revelation that is, that is ever possible, clear visions, no riddles, on the one hand. So what, he was, what was shared with him is way beyond what was shared with anybody else. Highest level of Nevoah, on the one hand. And on the other hand, is that he didn't collapse into a, a fit or into a dream state in order to get his nevoah. He stood like an ordinary person, channeling the nevoah without flinching. That means that Moshe has the unique position of being a Navi who receives nevoah while very much embedded in the physical reality. He doesn't have to step out into a, an, an unconscious state. That's why Moshe's Nevoah is the perfect channel to bring the ultimate truth of Torah, Torah being way beyond the human experience, in fact, way beyond the whole of the created experience, and to bring it down into our world because Moshe's straddling both worlds. He's having the highest level of Nevoah and he's bringing it down into a very tangible reality. Therefore, you can make the Torah so tangible and real to each of us. And that explains why in the subsequent chapter 9, when the Rambam tackles the possibility of a person who claims to be a Navi, who was sent to add a new mitzvah, in other words, what is he trying to say? He's trying to say the Torah is not valid because we can add or we can reinterpret. There the Rambam says, you know what's wrong with this guy? He's, he's contradicting Moshe's Nevoah. 
does not stamay choch as there is a Navi Sheker. Not like we said right at the beginning of the Sikha, oh, maybe the Rambam just wants to prove to us how we know that he's a false Navi. Not the mitis the Rambam mechadesh nocha halocha. The Rambam is now giving us a whole different legal insight into the status of this Navi. Chachas nevoas Moshe is lamata funtera. Even though, as we said, Nevoah, including Moshe's Nevoah, is a lower manifestation of godliness than the Torah itself. But because, as we have identified, Moshe's Nevoah consolidates the Torah, clarifies that it's absolutely true and therefore immutable, can't change. But therefore, no other Navi could ever in any way innovate with regards to Torah. That's why we have to push back so strongly to not pay any attention to the great miracles of this so-called self-proclaimed Navi. Why? The whole basis of that is Moshe's Nevoah. This person who's trying to introduce something new to the Torah is effectively trying to uproot Moshe's Nevoah because Moshe's Nevoah is how we know that Torah is completely immutable. With all of the information that we have gathered, we can now see the flow of why the Rambam presents things in the particular order that he does in the, the halachas regarding a Novi in Hilchis Yisoda HaTorah. In Perak Zayin, the seventh chapter, that's where the Rambam introduces the general principles about how Novi works. And it, while he's doing that, and the fact that Moshe is, is the ultimate Nevoah possible. And he goes into so much detail, as we know. That's chapter 7. Then after telling us about how amazing Moshe's Nevoah is, in the next parakhes, he tells us, Besides the greatness of Moshe's Nevoah, that he had the kind of vision that nobody else had and that he was able to hold his own physically at the same time. Over and above that, adds the Rambam another whole layer. That what adds a layer of validity to Moshe's Nevoah, the fact that he presented his Nevoah to us at Har Sinai. And it was an absolutely compelling Nevoah because we saw it and we heard it ourselves. Once he tells us that, so there's another layer to Moshe's Nevoah, the fact that it was consolidated at the time of Harsina and therefore consolidates the Torah for us. Once the Rambam has clarified that there's this very unique connection between Moshe's Nevoah and the presentation of Torah at Sinai, then then he says in the next paragraph, that Moshe's Nevoah is what consolidates our faith in the Torah, which is fundamentally beyond us and even beyond Nevoah. And that translates into the understanding and acceptance of the fact that the Torah is absolutely eternal. And therefore, no Novi can ever innovate new information or insights into Torah. Which has a practical application. Should a Novi appear and start to claim that Hashem sent him to add something, is a says the Rambam, that would contradict Moshe's Nevoah because Moshe's Nevoah is the foundation on which the whole validity of Torah is solidified. But you will notice that the Rambam only uses the expression that somebody contradicts Moshe's Nevoah. 
That's specifically the Rambam talks about a person who claims to be a Nabi and wants to now add or detract a mitzvah from the Torah. Or the person who claims that we should serve chasv shalom idolatry. But when the Nobi's claim is that he just wants to uproot something that we had been passed through the tradition, or he claims that a certain halacha has been given to him from on high, then there the Rambam does not consider that specifically a contradiction of Moshe's nevuah, but it's simply a contradiction of Torah. Why? So the beer in them, it, it's a very simple explanation. When a Navi claims that he was sent by God with the mandate to add or delete a mitzvah, or to give an interpretation to a mitzvah, something we haven't got as part of our tradition from Moshe, and obviously, how much more so if he claims that Hashem says you should serve idolatry. Any one of those arguments is a direct attack on what we witnessed and experienced at Har Sinai, that the Torah is eternal. What happened at Har Sinai is that the Ebesha illustrated clear to us that he gave Moshe Rabbeinu as the conduit for all information of all Torah that will never change. This guy who claims that he has information about Torah that will change is rejecting that fundamental principle. And as we've already said, what happened at Har Sinai is something we saw with our own eyes and heard with our own ears. So then clearly this person is rejecting Moshe's nevuah because we saw Moshe give us the information that this is Torah and it's never going to change and this person wants to change it. Whereas the person who arrives and says, I've got a new halacha that I want to introduce, this has to change. Or, or, or I have an endorsement from Hashem that the way I'm paskin is in a particular way. It's not rejecting the whole principle of Torah. Heret Novak Nadin Prati in Torah is talking about one specific halacha that he says has to be modified. It's not adding a new mitzvah, saying there's within the mitzvah there's a particular halacha that's got to be modified one way or the other. And he claims that his prophetic insight tells him that the halacha has to be expressed in a particular way. He may even, he may even present an, an accurate halacha. Could be that he's looking to endorse something the Torah tells us. Now the pale in Azar is Azar even from Paschal Halachas Hefech Vanatziva B'Torah. The problem is that to arrive at an halachic conclusion based on a so-called prophetic insight that is illegal. That is against the Torah. That goes against the fact that the Torah says Torah is no longer in heaven. So this is not a person who is contradicting Moshe's nevuah. Moshe's nevuah represents the whole principle of what Torah is. Eternal divine wisdom that may not be changed. This is a person who is saying this particular halacha has to be modified. So this person is contradicting the Torah. Because his entire affront is only to a specific halacha within an area 
of Torah, of a neat Maimed Har Sinai, but he's not trying to challenge the entire validity of Torah as was presented at Har Sinai, and therefore Niti Yesoda Kolat Torah is not... He's not trying to challenge the principles of the foundations of Torah. He's not attacking that which was endorsed and consolidated by Moshe's Nevoah, which we witnessed ourselves. So effectively, that's what the Rambam is telling us. Two very valuable principles. There's a difference between Torah and Nevoah. Torah is the original source. It has no um, ulterior needs or motives. Whereas the words of a Navi may be there for a specific purpose, outside of their words. And then he tells us, Nevoas Moshe Rabbeinu helps us to bring the Torah into terms that we can all relate to, so that we know absolutely that the Torah is Hashem's essence and the essence of Hashem's will, and therefore can never be shifted. Anybody who rejects that, rejects Nevoas Moshe Rabbeinu, which effectively means rejects the foundational principles of Torah, whereas a person who only rejects a particular specific area of Torah, even by claiming to be some kind of a Navi, has broken with a rule in the Torah, but hasn't necessarily undermined all of the fundamentals.